and welcome to the So Novel Podcast. I'm your host Jess and in this fortnightly podcast I will be chatting all things books as well as interviews with authors, publishers and bookstagrammers. So whether you're looking for your next read or you want to know the story behind the story then this is the podcast for you. Hi, Maddie. Welcome to the Sonable Podcast. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How have you been during COVID? Um, not the greatest, but getting there. I'm glad that, you know, some things are getting back to normal. And I mean, if I'm honest, if we weren't in a pandemic, I probably wouldn't have started my bookstagram page so there's a silver lining in everything I guess <laughs> <laughs> absolutely because <laughs> we've had a chat we've had a few chats before actually over dms about um how we've been dealing with our mental health during this and you know feeling that we haven't had that connection that we normally would with friends and family and that um yeah so you have been kind of up and down as have I and how are you feeling now mental health wise I'm feeling a lot better I had a big mental breakdown maybe in June just before my like half yearly uni exams things were just absolutely dreadful and then I started getting some professional help which I totally recommend to everyone Um, and that has been really great and I've been trying to take more time for myself because I felt like I would either work so hard and completely burn myself out and if I thought okay I'm just going to take a little step back I would take like a step back too far and then I wouldn't be productive in any way at all. So I'm trying to find a nice middle ground and some balance with, you know, work and study, reading and socialising. So it's definitely been a big learning curve to kind of adjust my life in that way. Um, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that I have my books to keep me company when I do decide to have a study break. So... <laughs> How do you you find keeping that, I guess, balance between uni and like reading for pleasure? Because I know last year when I was doing a bit of uni work and that like reading was the last thing I wanted to do after working, you know, doing uni assignments and that like you're reading a lot all the time. So then to sit down and focus on something again, even though it was for pleasure, like it was still like just another thing to do. Yeah, honestly, I, I did not read any books for fun for about four years, probably from maybe like year 12 and my first three years of uni because I'm doing a five-year double degree. Um, Yeah, I did not read for pleasure at all and I have been reading all my life. I just really got into the grind of studying and it was so unhealthy. Um, So, it was only really halfway through last year that I was chatting with a uni friend and I was saying to her, I really miss reading. I used to go to the library all the time. I used to get so excited going to bookstores. But I just felt so anxious going there, which sounds so stupid, but I was just so overwhelmed with the new books and what to read and I had no idea. And if I did go to a bookshop, I would have my Goodreads app in front of me, you know, and I'd be searching up the books because I'm like, I don't know what to buy. I had no idea. So that was one of the reasons why I didn't read because I just didn't know what was good. I didn't know what I should be spending my time on. And then a friend introduced me to Leanne Moriarty's books because I told her that I loved the Big Little Lies TV show. And she said, well, Mads, you know, it's a book, right? And I was like, no way. <laughs> I felt like I'd been living under a rock. Um, 
and I've always been that person who will read before they watch so I was so ashamed of myself and then yeah I got into a Leanne Moriarty binge and I loved her books and that kind of reignited my love for reading and then yeah I joined the Shameless Book Club Facebook group and I joined some more online book club things like book recommendations and then at the end of last year I found out about bookstagram so I just think becoming more how could I put it becoming more aware of books and reading and getting a lot of recommendations from heaps of different people and sources kind of reignited my love for reading and then you know when I got in that Leanne Moriarty binge I thought to myself I should really spend more time doing the things that I love so I've been trying to do that since. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I'm definitely the same as you. I was kind of an auto buy author type person before Bookstagram. So um, yeah, unless someone told me to go and read something, I kind of, yeah, would go to a bookstore or whatever and be like, you know, I would totally judge a book by its cover and be like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> I might read that one. Whereas I have picked up so many books since joining Bookstagram that previously if I had read the synopsis, I would have been like, no. Or if I even looked at the cover, I would have been like, no, that's not for me. But um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think that's one of the things I'm most thankful for. Um, from Bookstagram is being introduced to new authors, new genres. And yeah, it's it's nice to have that discussion around it as well, because I guess when you read a book and you love it, you want to tell everyone, but then there's a lot of people out there who don't really care for that type of Yeah. Job. yeah exactly (laughs) and I feel like it's been so good because as I said I stopped reading for fun maybe when I was 17 or 18 and I'm 22 now so my reading tastes have changed you know through high school I read so much fantasy so much YA because I was the target audience for that and I think one of the reasons I stopped reading for pleasure was because I was a little bit over it and I wanted something new but I didn't know what I wanted um but yes along came Leanne Moriarty and a whole bunch of other authors and yeah it's been it's been really good yeah there you go the rest is history (laughs) (laughs) now I wanted to congratulate you too on recently hitting 4,000 followers. That is a huge achievement. (laughs) So congratulations. And I wanted to talk about followers and numbers with you. So you've been quite open like on your stories in discussing your numbers and followers and I guess your frustration at accounts that follow you for a follow and then kind of unfollow after that and you've also spoke about why this does frustrate you and why this is important for you and what you're working towards with your account so can you tell us more about that sure um I feel like well I I should firstly start by saying that of course I started my account as a hobby just like everybody else I did not think I would have the following and the engagement that I do. Um, It's absolutely bonkers to me, but I mean, it's awesome. Um, So yeah, like when I first started my account, I didn't really have any high hopes for it. I was just posting whatever I wanted. I still have pretty much all of my original posts up on my feed. So you can go back and you can scroll and you can see how my posts have changed since then. Um, But yeah, so in the beginning, followers wasn't an important thing to me. But then I started thinking to myself, I could actually do something with this account. And I think it goes back to my uh, need to be productive (laughs) and work hard. Because, um, yeah, at uni, I'm doing a double degree of law and communications and media. And for my communications and media degree, I'm majoring in marketing and advertising. 
And I thought this platform and my Bookstagram account could be such a wonderful active portfolio to present to a potential employer in the media sphere to say, hey, look at this content that I can create by myself. I take my photos. I edit my photos using Adobe products. Um, You know, I upload them. I do all of the engagement. So, I mean, as you know, there's so much going on when you run an Instagram account. It's not just like, oh, here's a photo and I'm done. Um, It's a lot of hard work and it's like a second have, job <laughs> it is yeah. it is and and people say to me oh my god Maddie how did you get so many followers did you buy them firstly no don't be stupid I'm a poor uni student I can't <laughs> afford to buy followers and secondly you could have you know a million followers but if those followers aren't engaged with your content it really doesn't matter so yeah, when I when I started to get in the groove of my content creation, I thought I want to make this work the best work it can be so that when I do graduate, when I am applying for communications and media jobs, because there are so many social media jobs out there now, I I want to be able to show my account to a hiring manager and say, look at the content I can create, look at the community I am engaging with because I think it's really important. And obviously I still do it for fun. It's not as though (laughs) I'm running my account just so I can get a job from it. That's not what it is. It's just I thought I can kill two birds with one stone and I'm doing something I enjoy that I can maybe get some benefit out of down the run so I I guess that's it really and with the followers thing I think the numbers do matter to some extent because you want to show you know potential employers in my case or just brands or publishers or people who might want to work with you and collaborate with you that you do have an audience. But as I said, you could have so many followers and that really would not matter if your likes, your comments and your saves weren't high numbers. So, for example, there was an account who I came across and they had, I don't know, maybe around 20,000 followers, something like that. And my photos on average get between, you know, 400 likes minimum and like 700 likes maximum my average has really ranged especially with the new algorithm bullshit that's been going on yeah <laughs> um so that's so that's been my average and I was going through this person's account because I thought oh my god they're such a big account they're so popular and I was looking at their content And their engagement just was not there. They were getting around the same average likes that I was. And at this time, I only had about 2,000 followers, which is significantly less than 20,000. So I just think it's so eye-opening because, of course, when you go onto someone's page, the first thing you see is their follower count. You don't really see the rest unless you do a deep dive And I think that's so important for people to remember, you know, if you don't have engaged followers, then it doesn't matter. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky balancing act, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And yeah, like you said, I've come across like a big brand influencer, um, not a bookstagram account. And yes, she's the same. I think she has like maybe 30,000 followers or something. And she averages about like five comments or something like that on the photos. And I just think, what? It's like, where is your audience at? Where are they? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. But um, yeah, it's so odd because everyone knows her name and, you know, knows who she is, knows the brands that she represents. Um, You know, she has books and podcasts and stuff like that too but yeah there's just no engagement so yeah it's really 
really interesting one. <laughs> yeah. And I think now, especially because when, um, have you seen the tandem collective read-alongs and things like that? You're familiar? Yes. 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 They had a live the other day and they were saying that when they select people for their read-alongs, they have a whole process and they said, sure, we do pick some big accounts, but we pick smaller accounts too because the engagement is important. And in the live, they said that at the end of the read-along period, they request statistics from the participants. And the host was saying that they request all of the um, saves, all of the shares, because there has been a shift in the metrics that publishers and other brands and companies use to determine um I want to use the word value, but the word value sounds wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have like new ways to measure engagement rather than just followers and likes. So I found that particularly interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've done, so I was in the first tandem read along for Midnight Sun and I've done a few things. Oh, yes. Yes, and I totally agree. So, yeah, we have to send in um, our likes, our comments, you know, how many stories we shared and what the engagement was. Did anyone buy the book? Um, or did anyone tell you that they purchased the book from it? And, yeah, they do uh, highlight that, that they say, you know, we just want to show publishers that smaller accounts do have just as much impact as what bigger accounts do if not more, because like you said, yeah, the engagement is actually usually a little bit higher on smaller accounts, I guess. And yeah, it's really interesting to see that. Mm, Yeah. So we were talking about your content before and I've followed you pretty well from the beginning of your account. I think we we used to chat right from the beginning. And in that time, you've changed your aesthetic a few times. So can you tell Mm -hmm. us where do you find your inspiration for your photos? And do you feel pressure to have a certain aesthetic on your feed? Okay. I... This is going to sound so stupid, but the biggest inspiration that I have for my content creation is, you know, thinking to myself, what type of content do I like to consume? Yeah. Because the content that I like to consume, I would like to reproduce in my own way. I am a girly girl. I love pink. Um you know, my feed has always been light and bright and colourful, um, you know, even though my boyfriend will tell you that I can be a bit of a moody bitch sometimes <laughs> um, and a little bit gloomy. <laughs> um, like for the most part, I love like bright, happy content, even if I'm not always feeling that way myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I I had Tumblr back when I was a teenager, um, I was active on there for a good few years. And I think that kind of um, sparked my interest for content creation. Like when I got a new magazine or a new lipstick, I'd take a photo and upload it to my Tumblr like, oh, I'm so cool (laughs) (laughs) having my own little blog. (laughs) Um, So I was I was exposed to, um, you know, product photography and stuff like that from a pretty young age. And I guess in that way, I've had a lot of practice, about a decade worth of practice (laughs) from taking stupid photos from my Tumblr to now posting about books. Um, So, yeah, I I would say that, like, my first thing would be, You know, I create content that I would like to see myself. And secondly, I I guess I just get inspiration from anywhere. I mean, I have a saved folder in my Instagram of posts that I love. I go back and I see what other people are doing. And obviously, I don't copy anyone, but I just maybe might take some of their ideas and do it in my own way. And I think it was hard at the beginning because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just taking the randomest photos and 
my my feed in the beginning just looks like a hodgepodge of different things. And so I was unhappy with that because it wasn't the content that I would want to consume. So I thought, okay, how can I juice things up a bit? What can I do to change it? And so I started doing little drawings and little doodles and I decided to use the same filter on all of my photos. And then I just got a bit sick of it. So then I tried the flat lay style, which was super popular, but I found it incredibly time consuming. And because I'm such a perfectionist, I would take, you know, heaps of photos. I would spend like four hours on a Sunday taking photos and I would only use half of them because I hated them. And I thought to myself, I need to make my content easier for myself you know I'm sick of having you know book photo shoots I just want to grab a book snap it and be happy and be done so that's why I started my new theme which is a bit of a mixture of everything and I try and keep it cohesive by having similar lighting in my photos similar tones I use the same filter for all of my photos as well. So even though I am posting some different photos, like there's photos of me holding books and, you know, a stack of books by the beach and, you know, books on my bed, <laughs> um, I, try and, I try and tie them up nicely with my editing. But, yeah, I think for anyone who's a little bit stuck with their content, definitely see what other people are doing, go on Pinterest, go on Tumblr, practice taking some photos, get um, get the free Adobe Lightroom trial, get the Visco app, um, you know, fiddle around with some things and try and find a style that you like because, honestly, it is so pointless creating content that you don't like yourself. Um, like, you know, for example, with the with my flat lay theme, I thought I should do that because it was really popular and a lot of other people were doing it and, you know, their photos were going super well. But to be honest, I didn't really like it. It was just a pain in the ass for me because it took so long and I wasn't happy with it most of the time. So, yeah, just make the content that you want to create and people will notice that you like it and that you're proud of it as well so there's absolutely no point trying to do the exact same thing as someone else because it won't be yours if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely and I guess yeah like you said you you want yours to look a little bit different you know you don't want to blend in with the same old same old you know you kind of need to have that point of difference and your little take I guess on the the aesthetic yeah 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 cool (laughs) now our next segment uh we're going to discuss our last now next read so maddie would you like to start us off with what your last read was yes i'm so excited to talk about it actually i haven't really spoken to anyone because i only finished it like yesterday it is Out of Love by Hazel Hayes. Ooh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I was going to say I heard about it, mm, when was it published? Let me see. I think it was published in June. It doesn't say here. It was published maybe halfway through this year and I was watching a booktube video. I can't remember whose it was, but they got it and they recommended it and I thought damn this book sounds pretty good um I would say like Taylor Jenkins Reid fans would enjoy this book Dolly Alderton fans would enjoy this book it is honestly so heartbreaking and depressing but I just kind of love it um it's a love story told backwards so as you can tell from the title out of love um it starts with the breakup and the story is told backwards. So each chapter goes back in time and then the last chapter is when they meet. So you can see how the relationship has just completely 
unraveled. And I've never read a book like this before. It was so fantastic. Like I could not put it down. I read it in less than 24 hours. I was absolutely hooked. Like as soon as the postman delivered it to me, I started reading, um, just forgetting the other books that I had started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's just forget about them. Um, But no, it was such a good story and I was so upset (laughs) but it's it was it was a sweet tale anyway and I was so intrigued because even though you know what happens you you learn why it happens and how it happens the way that it does and I've never read a book like it I've never read a book like it and even even with the books where it's like you know that they're not going to end up together. I have never read a book written in this way before and I just can't recommend it enough. And what is so, so eye-opening is, and I didn't even realise this until I went on to Goodreads to tick off that I had read it. We do not know the protagonist's name. She's unnamed throughout it is a first-person narrative, so it's just filled with, you know, eyes. Um, I said this, I did that, blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever references her by her name. So, for example, the, the, the love interest in the book refers to her as Angel throughout the entire thing. And, you know, the the mum might say, oh, darling, or my dear, or something like that. It's always those terms rather than her actual name use. And I loved that because it's kind of like when you're reading it, like you are her, you are absolutely stepping into her shoes and filling that role because I think it's such a universal thing, breakups, you know, relationships diminishing and for those of us who have experienced it you really step into her shoes and you think wow this was such a good and powerful choice by Hazel Hayes sorry Hazel Hayes to not name her protagonist because it's like a we are her protagonist in a way reading it I don't know I just thought it was so cool yeah that sounds amazing well I'm gonna definitely look out for that one yes yes it um it was published by an independent publisher they had to do a it wasn't a GoFundMe what was it it was it was like a crowdfunding published book okay oh that's even cooler Yeah, you can get it from Booktopia and Amazon. I'm not sure if a lot of the smaller retails would have it, but, yeah, I I love it. It was so good. I could not put it down. Yeah, that's great. And do you have a current read at the moment? I do. Yeah. Um, I picked up Sorrow, Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason last night. Have you read it? No, I haven't, but I have been eyeing it off because everyone is talking about it and raves about it. Yeah, I am up to page 126 and I am enjoying it so far. For the first couple of chapters, I was a little bit confused and just slightly bored because I thought, where is this story going? And I mean, in a way, it's kind of similar to Out of Love because the story starts kind of at the end and then we go back. So we see where Martha is at one point in her life and then we go back to when she was a teenager and then it tells her story straight from there. So have you read Grown Ups by Marion Keys? No, I haven't. Okay. It's kind of similar to Grown Ups in a sense because Grown Ups starts off with one family event and then it goes back in time, like, you know, 12 months earlier, six months earlier, that type of thing until it gets right up until the present day again. Okay. Like a a cyclical novel, which I love. So, yeah, it's, 
It's so interesting. I'm really enjoying it. And I've read a lot of reviews saying that this book is what they hoped the novel Olive by Emma Gannon would be. Oh, so yes. Okay. I haven't, okay. I haven't read that one yet, but, yeah, I mean, so far, Sorrow and Bliss is going well. Oh, I, yeah, we'll definitely keep my eye out for that one then because I have read Olive and, yeah, I was kind of, yeah, wanting a bit more, I guess. Like I, I kind of finished it and I was like, yeah, that was okay. Like I'll probably forget it later. <laughs> it's, yeah, not very, wasn't very memorable for me, I guess. Um yeah, I couldn't really resonate with the story either. Um, I think it'd be different if maybe you were had, you know, similar life experience to Olive. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely keep my eye out for Sorrow and Bliss. Because it, it's, is it more of a, like, contemporary romance? Is it a romance? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, guess, I guess you could say it is a romance. In a way, it's kind of like, oh. It's, it's hard because it is such a character-driven novel, but also the plot is important with this one. So unlike A Lonely Girl is a Dangerous Thing where the plot wasn't really important, um, I think Sorrow and Bliss is, like, heavily driven by the character but also the plot. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's a good book so far. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have anything lined up for your next read? Oh, God, no. That is such a hard question. I am the biggest mood reader. I mean, even though I'm currently reading Sorrow and Bliss, I have about four other books that I'm either halfway through or almost finished. Some are audiobooks, some are actual books. But Sorrow and Bliss is taking up most of my attention right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, my my brand new next read that I haven't started yet, I have no idea what it will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, my last read was Leave the World Behind. Oh, um, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I'm sure you would have seen it with the deer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I think I'll butcher it. But, um... Yeah, it's like a dystopian fiction, which is totally not my genre. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm probably just going to leave it at that because I really didn't like it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it was very character-driven as well. Like it's, um, like, talks about race and it's a lot about, of course, the environment and, um, yeah, what happens at the end of the world, I guess. And Oh, that's not uh, a good vibe. No, no. <laughs> and, yeah, it's probably not a good time to be reading it either, I guess. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just wasn't for me. I think I was thinking maybe it was more of a thriller, dystopian, mm. but, they were, well, I did discuss it with someone and they kind of said that they, they couldn't put it down, that they kept, you know, <laughs> they thought there was a cliffhanger at the end of each chapter, which I kind of disagreed. I was a bit like, oh, actually I could have stopped it at the end of each chapter. <laughs> there was only a few chapters in there that kind of kept me reading it more. And they are nice and short chapters, but it's actually a really short book as well. It's only 240 pages and it took oh, me wow. a few days to read it. Like it was just... Too yeah, long for what yeah, it was worth. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I would describe it as that uni essay that's mm. got a word limit to get to and you just start <laughs> waffling on and you've got to like fluff it up type thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah could have cut it down by half, I think. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry it wasn't good for you. Hopefully you have something better lined up now. What are you currently yes. reading? Well, I'm currently... So I'm the same as you. I've got two on the go and I've been reading them for a little while. So I've decided that's it. I'm not picking up anything else until I've read the current two. So I've got, actually, I think you might've read both of them. I've got um, Sarah Wilson's, um, what's it called again? This One Wild 
Precious Life. Precious Life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got that. I think I'm about three quarters of the way through that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I hmm, I don't like the camping or the, the trekking, I should say, those <laughs> chapters. <laughs> uh, I, I know why they're in there, but, yeah, I kind of found I was breezing through that a lot. And I think you might have said this in your review that you did prefer – her first book, which was First We Make the Beast Beautiful. Um, yeah. This one has, like, yeah, a very different vibe. Like, I feel like this one's a bit preachy almost. I don't know. Did, what, what did you think about it? Um, I ha- well, firstly, I haven't finished it yet. I have about oh. 30 pages left, okay. which is so ridiculous of me. I should just finish <laughs> it. Um, yeah. And I... So with both of her books, I've got the physical copy and I've been annotating the things that I like and I've been listening to the audio books on my library's audio book thing. It's called yep. Borrow Box. Oh, Borrow Box, um, yep. Yeah, so I've been listening to those from my library and I really like her narration. I think her narration is fantastic and I would give her first book maybe like a four and a half out of five. I found it really touching because I've been dealing with generalised anxiety disorder since I was 13 and I felt like I was really seen in this book and the things that she describes. Like I get anxious going to Kmart. I can't deal with shopping centres. And in her book she talks a lot about, you know, not being able to go to the shops and stuff like that. I'm like, holy shit. I'm not insane. There's someone else out here who doesn't like the mall. (laughs) Um, So I loved it. And then, yeah, like this book is definitely a completely different vibe. I think like I'm not an outdoorsy person. I have really bad knees and I have asthma. So I'm never going to go on a hike. Um, I've done like mini hikes before, but only because I've been forced to by the people who I was with. Um, Definitely would not do it by choice. And like, I love nature, but I just don't like excruciating physical exercise with it. I'm more of like, yeah, I'm going to go for a nice walk through the botanic gardens type of gal. (laughs) So I I haven't been able to relate to this book as much as her first book and like I don't think that you have to be able to relate to a book for it to be good um but yeah I don't know I've just found it to be a little bit of a mishmash of things it doesn't have as much structure as her first book and yeah I feel like I don't fully agree with some of the claims that she makes but with works like this you know take it for what it is, take what you like, believe what you don't like. Um, yeah, I, I want to say that I really did have high hopes for this one and it hasn't met my expectations yet. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just kind of okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the cover is beautiful, so beautiful. The words inside don't quite match how good the cover is <laughs> yes yeah no I agree yeah it's very um research heavy as well and I felt like I was kind of reading yeah, yeah like a, a journal article or something as opposed to a piece of work by her and her thoughts I guess um yeah yeah, not, yeah maybe just not what I expected I guess but yeah, yeah. That's okay. My other read is Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Have you read that one or you have it? Um, okay, so I will admit I'm the worst with nonfiction. I absolutely bloody love it, but I really struggle to finish nonfiction books in the same time that it would take me to read a fiction book. So with a lot of the nonfiction books I have, I'll pick it up and I'll read some and then I'll put it down and I'll come back to it months later because I just, I feel like breaking it up because yeah, for a lot of nonfiction, I find it way too heavy to read it in like a couple of sittings. Um, so I have read maybe half of it. I haven't finished it. What What are you thinking so far? Yeah. I think I'm the same. Like I really, like I like reading nonfiction, but it really needs to grip me for me to 
want to keep picking it up. Um, I find a lot of it, I kind of not force myself to read it, but I, I don't, like I like to finish what I start. So very rare that I will say, no, I'm not going to finish that. Um, yes, yeah, so I have felt, I think I'm only maybe halfway through it. And I wouldn't say it's groundbreaking or anything, um, but I do like hearing her thoughts and her perspectives, I guess, on feminism in at her age at the moment because um, she's the same age as me. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? When I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why Um, am I not a published author and successful Instagram influencer? Tell me, Jess, why? (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that I did like she talks about um, like bodily hair at the beginning of it and that she doesn't shave her armpits and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I bet she's done that for the cover. And I looked and you can see her underarm hairs. And I was like, you go, girlfriend. Like, that is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really followed her on Instagram or anything like that much. So I don't really know a lot about her. I did listen to the Shameless interview with her a few weeks ago. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I think that's when I kind of picked it up and read it a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I mean, you are married. You are a mother of two children. This book is probably a bit beyond for you. Um, And even for me, being 22, I think this book would have been more enriching had I read it maybe when I was 15 or 16. Yes, yes. So I I think it would be like a mind-blowing read for perhaps young teenage girls. Um, But, I mean, yeah, for where I'm at right now, I read it and I think, yeah, this is good. I kind of already know this stuff and she'll say some things or write it in a way that maybe I haven't heard before. And I think, wow, that is a really good way to communicate these ideas and I really appreciate that. She's got such a way with words that she keeps it simple but it's effective so it's not it's not a confusing non-fiction read (laughs) um and and I do like her illustrations throughout it I mean I used to follow her a while ago when she would post a lot of her illustrations and a lot of my friends would share it to their stories and I think oh that's really funky so yeah I think she does have a lot of power and influence over young people and like women in particular and what she's saying like none of it's bad but yeah none of it is particularly new or you know yeah earth shattering (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like you said I think it will be a great read for the younger generation and um yeah, like I think it is good for us older ones <laughs> to read it and kind of see that new wave of feminism too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it would be good for younger ones to take something away from it. And the cover is amazing. So It is so retro and funky. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like you, I don't have a next lined up. I just, yeah, my goal is just to get the two finished that I have got started and then I will move on from then. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. (laughs) Now I wanted to ask as well, what have been your top three reads for 2020 so far? Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Well, straight off the bat, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I will will not shut up about that book ever. I (laughs) am I allowed to swear? Yes, yes, go for it. <laughs> I fucking loved it so much. Oh, I just, whenever somebody says to me, Mads, what's a good book? This one, read this one, don't read anything else. <laughs> um, God, I just, I fucking loved it. I read it in three days and I was in the 
biggest reading slump. I had, I remember it vividly. I had just finished those awful mid-year exams and I hated my life. I was so sad. I was like, oh, university. Ugh. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. And I really, really wanted to read the entire Throne of Glass series over that uni break. I did not. I could not manage it. I didn't even read the first one during that uni break. But I I won a giveaway and I picked Evelyn Hugo as my book and it was sitting there and I thought, you know what, I really liked Daisy Jones. I'm in a bit of a slump. I'll just pick this up. You know, it's it's a fairly slim book. It's nothing nothing too crazy, nothing too heavy because I thought, oh, my God, the Throne of Glass series is just way too daunting for me right now so I thought if I just read this one book over my uni break I'll be happy I could not put it down I loved it it was absolutely fantastic and phenomenal I was so intrigued by everything and I absolutely love the diversity and the representation and how Evelyn says in one of her interviews that um, you know she's she's talking about being bisexual and she's saying you know it's not it's not half of who I am like I am a whole person and I just loved it. Yeah, that's I've heard so many good things about that one. I'll be honest, I didn't finish Daisy Jones. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I that got was so good. What's wrong I with got you? halfway through and I was like, no, I just yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't yeah, I wasn't into it. So I think that's kind of turned me off reading any of her other work. This one has so much drama and romance and suspense and you know, like throughout the whole book, I was thinking, why did Evelyn pick this writer to do the interview and write her biography and all of that? Like, oh, it was just so good. And the way that she wrote the story going between the present and the past and each chapter is for each of the husbands, which I thought was okay. so cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Give it a go. Give it a go and see what you think. Apparently the audiobook version is really good too. Oh, so okay. That's maybe worth a try. So yeah. is it wrote similar to Daisy Jones in that it's like an interview structure? Um, no, it is like a proper book. Okay. Um, yeah. There I are couldn't probably some, deal with that. <laughs> yeah. There, there are some parts in the book where it might be like a newspaper article from the time because it's very old school Hollywood glamour type. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are some newspaper articles and like some interview snippets, but for the most part it is written like a proper work of fiction. Okay. Hmm. I'll think about it. <laughs> um and have you got a number two or three um what else have I really enjoyed I really enjoyed a court of mist and fury by Sarah J Maas yes I read the Akatar trilogy earlier this year it was probably one of the first bookstagram made me do it (laughs) I had never ever heard of it before and like I said I had kind of steered away from the fantasy and the YA and I was interested in reading different types of books so when I first heard about it I thought "Eh, it might not be for me and the first book I liked um, in my initial review I gave it four stars but upon reflection, I would say it's maybe like a three, three and a half star read. It was fine. Um, but I'm really glad I picked up the second book because holy shit, it was so good. There was so much fantasy and romance and drama and just everything going on. And it really reminded me of um, some of Cassandra Clare's books because I loved the Shadowhunter 
world when I was a teenager, the Cassie Clare books were pretty much all I've read. And it was kind of like that, but just different in a way. And it was more of like a new adult book rather than a young adult book. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was so good and it was such a step up from the first book as well. So, yeah, for everyone who has read A Court of Thorns and Roses and not really liked it, I would say pick up the second one because you will be very pleasantly surprised. Have you got a number three just to oh talk to? God. You did like A Lonely Girl is a Dangerous Thing. I did. I I wouldn't say it's in like my top books of the year though. Yeah, okay, yep. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe We're just out go of with love. the top one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> out of Love was fantastic. I really enjoyed this book. Maybe this can be my third pick and my third work. recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Now, we are going to do our deep dive segment next, which we are going to be looking at the very popular Ghosts by Dolly Alderton, which is Alderton's debut fiction release. Um So she did release her first book, which you have read, Maddie, which was Everything I Know About Love. And I haven't read that one yet. So it would be interesting to see how that affects our chat. (laughs) So our protagonist is Nina, who finds herself divorced at 31. And after some encouragement from her bestie, Lola, she signs up for online dating to fill her romantic void. And in enters Max, Max, who is full of all of these promises and sounds amazing until one day Max isn't there anymore because she's been ghosted. So the novel explores romance, friendships and family. I particularly loved the storyline of Nina's relationship with her dad, who is suffering from dementia and her struggle to navigate this new journey and how this experience brings her closer to her family. So Maddie, tell me your thoughts on this one. I really enjoyed this book. It's not in my top three, but I can say that it is in my top five for 2020 maybe. I really liked it. I think that Nina is such an interesting character and I really feel for her. I truly do being in such a long-term relationship and then seeing the ex with, you know, someone else and them being together for such a short time and then getting engaged and moving to this suburb that she hates with the whole life of her. Um, I, I, I feel her frustrations. I mean, even though I don't, I've never been in a position like that. <laughs> I, I, I feel her sisterly, sisterhood frustration. Um, and I I thought Lola was so funny. She was a really good um, comedy relief character. Yeah. And I think I really liked how she incorporated ghosting on a few levels. You know, we've got the ghosting with Max and just you know, general relationship type of ghosting. We had the ghosting with her father who was, you know, almost like his brain was turning into a ghost from the dementia. And then we had the ghosting with the friends becoming strangers because they're going off and living their lives in a completely different direction from her. So I can I can really see how Nina would feel so alone in a sense and even even when Lola gets her boyfriend and they all joke oh Nina you're the last single person now she's probably thinking oh great fuck my life like you you don't need to tell me I know (laughs) um and I think like because I have read Dolly Alderton's memoir Everything I Know About Love I've, I found it so interesting to see how she has incorporated different aspects of her own life and her friend's life to weave this story together. So even though even though she said that Nina wasn't written about her, I can see some of the 
some of the mirroring in a sense. Um, and I particularly loved when Nina went to Lola's boyfriend's house or the ex-boyfriend's house and said, you know, we give you our trust and you are stealing that from us. You are taking that from us. Um, I have the book here. What does she say? So she wrote, you know, every time you change your mind in such an extreme way, it takes something from a woman. It's an act of theft. It's not just a theft of her trust. It's a theft of her time. You've taken things from her so you could have a fun few months. Can you not see how selfish that is? Do you have any idea how hard she has to work to trust someone? And it's going to be even harder for her to do that now. It's yet more labour women have to put into a relationship that, on the whole, men don't really have to think about. That was one of my favourite passages from the book because it is so true. It is so true. Men just don't get it. They really don't. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, I've had my fun with you. I'm just going to skedaddly dupe now and not really care about their impact and the consequences and like I've been I've been ghosted before before I met my current boyfriend I went on a couple of dates with this guy and you know I thought things were fine I wasn't you know madly crushing on him but I was happy to see where it went and yeah he ghosted me completely out of the blue he ended up dating one of my other friends and he cheated on her so many times and then now he's with one of my other friends and the same thing has happened. So I dodged a bullet there, but it's just so universal. Men just have no clue about their impacts on women and it's shit. So I loved Dolly for writing that. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a powerful quote because in the book, like she isn't just ghosted once by Max either. Like it happens a second time, which I actually didn't see that coming. I thought no. maybe she was going to wrap up with the nice ending and that, but I did like that she kind of left the ending quite open, like, yeah, no happy ending type thing. Yeah, and I think I found it so interesting because she is such a successful character. You know, she's a published author. She has a flat by herself in London. Um, she's doing all these great things, but her friends and her peers still look down on her because it's like, oh, you're not married. Oh, you don't have kids. It's like you can be so successful, but people just won't care unless you conform to those societal expectations and not just conforming to those expectations but doing so in an appropriate timely manner because you know she doesn't know when she's going to get married she probably won't have kids by the sounds of it um, and everyone around her while they're happy for her books and stuff like that you can tell that they are judging her and I think, I think that really does stem from Dolly Alderton's personal experiences being in a similar situation to Nina. So I feel like a lot of the single girls out there just marching to the beat of their own drum would absolutely love this book because I, I, I really liked Nina's character. I really did. Yeah, yeah, me too. I did find um, the storyline with the ex-husband different. I wouldn't say that I, I didn't like it, but what did you think about that? Because in the book, Nina and her ex-husband still had this extremely close friendship. And as you said, he gets remarried and she is one of the groom's people uh, in the bridal party for him. And she goes to the hen's party and everything. And I just... I thought that was a little bit unrealistic. I couldn't really see it happening. But what did you think about that storyline? I thought it was so sad. The hopeful romantic in me just really wanted her to end up with Joe. But then, you know, the strong, independent feminist part of me was like, fuck Joe. She doesn't need him. Their relationship ran their course. That's it. Door closed. And I think 
the part that really crushed my soul was when Joe was about to get married and they were chatting before the ceremony and Nina's said to him, family are going to ask how we know each other. What do I tell them? What do I say? And he replied saying, tell them the truth. Tell them we grew up together. Oh, that had me sobbing. I yeah. never cry. The waterworks are coming down. I was like, oh my God, this is so dramatic. <laughs> Tell them we grew up together. Oh, I didn't think it would have such an impact, but it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do think I think that um, like in a way, it was a bit of an oddball plot line. I don't think it is entirely realistic, like you said, but I would totally get how um how jealous the new wife would be and so I think I think it would be although weird I think it would be like a nice olive branch to say hey come to my hands let's be friends let's do this I mean I don't know if I could personally do that I um (laughs) I would probably just have left the door shut and not had anything to do with any of them but yeah I mean I thought it was nice in a kind of weird way I don't know how else to put it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no it it was it was different I think um yeah yeah and I think I just kind of kept waiting for something to happen with that storyline like is there going to be a clash between you know the new wife and and Nina or you know something like you said going to happen between Nina and Joe and um yeah, she didn't take us down that that normal path, which I did like. It was really refreshing. Yeah, I agree. Now, to wrap up our chat, we're going to play a quick game of Fast Five. So five quick questions to get to know you better. So number one, do you prefer classics or new releases? New releases. New releases, yeah. I think most of us would probably say that. <laughs> uh, number two, purchase books or use the library? Both. Do you have a preference for when you purchase as opposed to using the library? So for me, if it's a really good book cover, I have to purchase it. <laughs> and I also <laughs> just get this vibe after hearing people talk about certain books um, or what the plot line is. I think, yeah, I'm going to purchase that one because I feel like I'm going to have a connection with it. I think um, if there's a book that I'm not too sure about or a book that I know will be a super quick read I will tend to go for my library I borrowed some books the other day I borrowed the falling in love montage uh take a hint Danny Brown and also I think it's called party of two they're all romance books just you know light easy breezy summer reads I probably wouldn't read them again I mean I haven't even read them yet but they're the the type of books that you read once and you enjoy it and you know if it was fantastic and spectacular kind of like how the flat share was for me like I love that book or the book ninja you know I'll see myself reading those books again but yeah like for the most part if it's a quick summer read it'll be a library book um so yeah I'm more inclined to buy a book if I know that I will absolutely love it And again, like if it does have a gorgeous cover, because I am superficial like that. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number three, are you a bookmarker or do you dog ear? Okay. Um, Confession. I, don't look at me like that. (laughs) I, I bookmark my books, like always. However, if there is a passage in a book that I love and I don't have my little sticky tabs with me, I will do the smallest dog ear just for those passages. That's acceptable. I will allow that. (laughs) And then I go back and I see where I've done my little dog ear and I'll put my little tabs in and then I'll uncrinkle it. But God, some people, some people literally fold the page as their dog ear and I just, I just want to shriek when I see that. (laughs) 
Yes. When you see like half the page folded down, you're like, oh, that's really going to leave a mark there. <laughs> There's no coming yes. back from that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you um, take notes in most of your books or do you find it's mainly nonfiction or what's your preference? Um, for the most part, I do like a lot of my annotating in my nonfiction books. Um but if I'm reading a fiction book that I really, really love, like um, Solitaire by Alice Oseman, I tabbed the shit out of that book. I was underlining the quotes that I liked. I never really, like, will write my own things in there. I'll just underline what I like. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. But, yeah, definitely I do it more for nonfiction than fiction. Yeah. Yep. And uh, number four, do you would you prefer audio or ebook? I don't know. I have a Kindle and I got it for Christmas last year and it was fantastic because I went to Japan for uni in January. So I was reading a lot of ebooks at the time and I thought they were so good and they were so cheap. And then COVID hit and the prices of ebooks went up so high. Like I remember I wanted to buy an ebook. And the price of the paperback was cheaper. So I bought the paperback. I know it was bizarre. And like my parents got me the Kindle as my Christmas gift and I live at home and I said to them, I'm so sorry. I just have not used this. It just has not been economical for me to. (laughs) Um, And I'm very particular with my audio books. I think I do prefer nonfiction audio books because they are like a podcast and a lot of the fiction audiobooks are narrated by American people and I just can't wrap my head around some of the accents. It's just beyond me. Oh, God, that's a toughie. I don't know. They Depends. both have their pros and their cons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, it was, if it was, you know, cheap, cheap e-books, awesome. Um, and if it was narrated not by an American person, but audiobooks, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And number five, do you prefer to read in the quiet or do you like background noise? Oh, God, I cannot read when there is noise going on. Like I am 100% a silent reader. If I'm in the living room reading my book and someone turns on the TV, I, oh, go into my room. I can't. It takes so much mental energy to be able to concentrate and block out the noise. I'm just a no distractions type of gal. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I struggle if there's background noise. (laughs) Even like if my four-year-old's watching the telly when I'm trying to read, even though it's something that does not interest me at all, I'll still find myself sitting there every few minutes watching it. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't don't not yeah. enjoying this but I just <laughs> fine I have to watch it <laughs> oh can you can you get uh, like a wireless earphones for the tv so your son can listen and you won't be able to hear it <laughs> that is a good idea I hadn't thought of that before yeah I'm gonna look into that actually Maddie thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much for having me Jess it's been really fun It has been fun. And if you want to find Maddie, you can find her on Instagram at maddies.books, which I will put in the description box below. So thank you again. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. You can subscribe and leave me a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or find me on Instagram at SoNovelPodcast. Thanks for listening and until next time, happy reading.